This week on the Men at the Movies podcast, we ride off to discuss the man from Snowy River. An uninitiated man is a danger to himself and others. You can see it by looking at the news. But we must go through our initiation to learn who we are and earn our place. And it's where we put our beliefs into action. The first step is showing up, revealing our character and waiting for God to open the moment for us. Saddle up and let's discover God's truth in this movie. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story, the story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Hello and welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. My name is Paul McDonald and joining me celebrating our return to 80s movies is my buddy Woo-hoo. Brent. Hey man, how you doing? I'm doing really well. It's uh weather's beautiful here and been having a good time, had a good run. Now I'm all tired today because <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> but no, it's been it's been great. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. We like I went uh fishing, enjoying this this spring weather. It didn't feel like we've had much winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I headed up, headed up to the mountains to do some fly fishing or more accurately described as I went hiking in a river uh, because I didn't see, there was no fish to be seen, had caught. I didn't even see them swimming by flipping me off. So, which I occasionally do. So we're back in the eighties. We're talking about Brit. You said this is one of your favorite oh, movies. Hot. Yeah, one of the top. Although you say that your list of favorite movies must be approximately two hundred and forty-seven. No, that's probably twenty or thirty at least that I would say are favorites. <laughs> so we're talking about the man from Snowy River, uh, starring Kirk Douglas and a bunch of people you will never hear from again. <laughs> exactly, because <laughs> they're Australian. However, George Miller was part of this production and if you don't know who george miller was i don't that's mad max he did all the he does he did all the mad max movies so this is this was a major australian production obviously and it went into america and hollywood or whatever i don't know how connected all that was but so george miller of mad max and road warrior and thunderdome and all that stuff He's he was a major part of this. And 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 this was a popular Australian Western book series. Like Snowy River mm-hmm. was kind of a a series. Like of an books. Inn of Green Gables for men. Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> um, and that's one of the reasons why I like it, because I, I always liked Westerns, but I thought this had a different sort of spin on it. It really kind of had its own sort of character. Uh, as a Western, although a lot of people may not even think of it as a Western, but it, it kind of has some of that. There's not a lot of shooting and gunplay and all that sort True. of stuff, but I, I think it has a lot of that, a lot of those Western mm. coming of age, you know, m- manhood sort of themes. And uh, I always liked it. Yeah, there definitely is, you know, men around the fire, obviously lots of horses, beautiful scenery. Um, there isn't, the, the difference, I think, from 
thinking of like Clint Eastwood or Clint Eastwood or I don't <laughs> John Wayne. John Wayne. And, there you go. Yeah, That's you the go. other name I was couldn't think of. They're very, especially when you think about John Wayne is sort of the, the, the man alone, the picking mm-hmm. himself up by his bootstraps and that's the hero of those stories in that Western. I mean, even look right. at today's, the most current Western out there, the Mandalorian, you've got Mando man in a mask standalone doesn't need anybody, but even that is shifting as throughout the people that he interacts with get involved in, in this case, raising baby Yoda. Right. Yeah. It, it's, with Mandalorian, one of the reasons why it's great writing is he he starts out alone, but the reward of him changing and transforming is he gets community. He has more of a right. community around himself than he did before. And if you've and, listened to more than two of these podcasts, you know we <laughs> love stories about how much we need community. <laughs> yeah. And and there's a, a big part of community is is a huge role in this movie as well, yeah. in Man from Snowy River. And that's one of the reasons why I like it. Is that I, I think we in America especially, and it's very unfortunate to me that we have come to this place where we don't experience the sort of manhood community that you see in this movie. And I and I think it's central to why it's so good and why I like it so much, because it reminds me of some of the community that I had growing up and yeah. men around me that took time to pour into me in a lot of different ways. And so anyway, that's one of the reasons why I like it. Cause I think young men, but everybody, I I think, I think it's biblical. I think our world needs good men who take interest in other people and orphans in this case, you know, uh, Jim kind of becomes an orphan and that's who we need. That's the kind of people that we need in the world. And, in our culture and, and I love it when I see it. So it's good. Interestingly, we didn't talk about this before the podcast in our prep work, but this, that tension between the stereo, I don't even want to say the stereo stereotypical, but the, the template, a template, what do we call that for the Western? Like a formula. Yeah. The, the typical Western formula of not needing anybody else. Mm-hmm. of the John Wayne and the Clint Eastwood of the, the lone um, stoic strong, but you've got that tension. I think in this, in the movie where you've got Harrison is the, is Kirk Douglas. He owns the ranch and we find out through the story that the reason that he owns the ranch and married this woman who's, who's a key even though she's dead is a key figure in the movie, but he won a bet on a horse. It was like a 50 to one shot. He bet it. He won and he won. So he won the girl and he paid for the ranch. And now he's, he's got it, but he hasn't earned it. And he walks with that insecurity through the whole movie. You see how he doesn't care for the people under him. He doesn't care for his daughter. He, does, all he does is care about his horse. He's insecure about his marriage to his wife. He's convinced that his daughter is actually illegitimate because her, his brother, Spur, also played by Kirk Douglas, 
they were they were fighting for the same woman. And Spur went. Um, he wanted to try. He started a gold mine. So for like twenty years, he'd been looking for gold. But the the woman Maggie had said, "Oh, I'm going to go with the the man who wins his fortune first. So right. Harrison won. And so that's what you see. You've got those two guys, both uninitiated. Well, Harrison's uninitiated. Spur has gone through his initiation. And so now you've got Jim. Jim is a young man, uh, as young men are, brash, bold, confident, overconfident. And his his father dies through a freak accident. There's this the the scene with the stallion with the horses. They're trying, and so what we're going to see is the stallion and the horses in the mountains, all are agents of chaos, agents of the world that he lives in. Good thing we don't live in a chaotic world these days. <laughs> but this movie, the the primary thing is we watch Jim go through his initiation. He's at the graveside with his father. He is assuming that he's going to take over the family home. But the other men in the mountains, the other men who have put in their work, they, they've handled the adversity and the chaos that comes their way. They, they sort of, they have a confrontation with him to s- tell him how it's going to be. Well, that's it, lad. You can't stay up yet. This is my place now. I own it. Owning has got nothing to do with it. Guess who can make a go of it up here that counts. I can look after myself. Maybe. Someday. What gives you the right to say you can... Fuck! You go down to the low country and earn the right to live up here. Just like your father did. They blame me for this. It's a hard country. Makes for hard men. Hmm. So one of the reasons, just full disclosure, I love this movie is I was born in the mountains of West Virginia. And that those Appalachian people, it does something to you. When when you live in the mountains, like mountain people are rough people. They will they are rough people. And that's not necessarily my father specifically, but definitely my father's family. There's a lot of rough characters in, in the stories and, and there's the rough background. characters in this movie and there's rough characters in this movie. And, and even though this is in Australia and I was born in West Virginia, like there, the elements are the same, a, right. a hard country makes for hard people and you, you don't make it here it's easy in the lowlands, right? They're like, you go down to the low country, (laughs) like, like you can't make it here. It's easy there. Anybody can make it there. You have to, you have to earn the right to be up here. And, and I love what he said, where he says owner owning it has nothing to do with it. Right. It doesn't have anything. It's, it's about who can make it up here. And, and I think we've come to this place in our culture where we feel entitled. We are born with certain inalienable rights, and we just keep adding those, adding what those rights are. Everybody gets a trophy. 
everybody gets a trophy. It doesn't matter if you did anything. You just, you still get a trophy. You don't want people to feel bad. Like this whole scene is so anti-American in so many ways. It doesn't matter if you own it. You're not a man yet. And he says, I can make it. And he says, maybe I can take care of myself. He says, maybe, in other words, that we haven't seen that yet. Your father proved it and he was allowed to live up here. (laughs) You haven't proved it yet. So in our, in our culture, in America, like we've gotten to this place of entitlement, we're entitled for everything. We, we want it, we should have it. And it doesn't matter to earn it is like this foreign concept in our culture. And I know we're as Christians, we can't earn our salvation. And I get all of that, but there is something to, you have to be ready first. I mean, how many times in the old Testament and in the new Mm. people don't immediately step into their calling. David doesn't become King immediately. after being anointed. He's anointed, but he doesn't immediately become the king. He doesn't immediately become king. And or Abraham doesn't immediately get the the covenant promise of the dream and the whole thing. He's got to leave his home first. He's got to wander around like he's told he's going to have a son. Like my point is is uh, you know, the prophets go through all sorts of crap before they end up becoming a prophet. Yeah. And Jesus was 30 years old. And the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Like, like he went through stuff. It wasn't like a, even though he was the son of God, he was always going to be the son of God. He was eternally the son of God. Nothing was going to change that identity. But in his calling, he had, there was things he had to go through. And I, and I don't think we realize that in our culture anymore hmm. that, you know, like we, we have people who graduate from college and they're like, oh, well, I have a degree in this thing. I should get a hundred thousand dollar job doing exactly what I wanted to do because, because we've been told in high school, you can be four anything years, you want, you can be anything <laughs> you want to do. And the whole point is to go to college and get the right degree so you can get the right job. And then when that doesn't happen, because the God story that we God wants to take us on doesn't go by those rules. He's not, he's not taking us by those rules. He has a calling on our lives that doesn't fit what this world expects it to be. Mm. And, and the, and the more that we understand that, the more we realize that we need a community around us that recognizes a, our calling, but also recognizes that you got some stuff to go through. And, and I think it's, it's really important and it's really unfortunate that we don't have not only that community, but that sort of rite of passage, because here's why it's important as anti-American as that scene is, here's the problem. We have 35 year old men in our culture. They don't know what, what being a man even is. They don't know what it means to be a man (laughs) Or, or older. I just picked 35 out of a hat. And I don't mean they're living in their mom's basement, but or whatever they, they could be in, a, in an apartment, have kids and married for 10 years. And, and they still in their brain don't, they feel like a failure. They don't feel like they're a man. And here's why, because you need a community around you that says, guess what? You're a man. Now it's, it's official. Well, hang on, hang hold- on. I do want to, I want to slow you down. 
because I think I hadn't looked at the movie this way until as we're recording this idea that Harrison is an uninitiated man. Right. And you see that the way he treats the people around him, the, the, and even the horses to a certain degree, because I want, I want to differentiate and I want to sit with this idea of the rite of passage, the rite of initiation into manhood because it, it before, and then we'll kind of wrap up with the idea, the concept that it is something that's, bestowed that's spoken over you that right. you have earned in a community of men, but they also have to walk you through it. Yes. And, and that's one of the things I love about this movie is that even though the men, although they're kind of not nice guys, but spur and Clancy. So spur and Clancy are the wizards of the movie. They are the older, they are the Obi-Wan Kenobis of the movie. Okay. <laughs> They don't consider him a man yet either, but they, but Spur gives him a horse. Right. Right. Like he doesn't know it yet, but he owns half of this mine. Like they're not taking any of his ownership. They're not taking his calling. They're not taking his identity. What they're saying is you have to earn something because here's the thing. And here's the difference between Harrison. And and I didn't think about it either, but it's a great point. Since Harrison didn't earn it, he took it for granted. See, here's the thing about earning it. When you earn it, you don't take that for granted. When, when, when somebody else pays, when it's somebody else's money and you're, pe- you're playing with house money, you really don't care. But when it's your sweat and blood that went into that money, you care how much stuff costs. You care, right? Because, because now you've got ownership in it. And the kingdom of God is about ownership. But even the ownership of the promised land, they had to go and fight for the thing. It's yours. Now go fight for it. Like they had to, but you have to root out the other nations. You have to fight. You have to do this. And, and it is, and it is what the young men and maybe older men in our (laughs) culture need. They need a, a group of men and it, should be their father as a part of that, but not just their dad. They need a community of men to come around them and say, Hey, you, you've got stuff to work on. Yeah. And we, but, but we also believe in you. Those are, those are the two, those are the two important things at the center. Number one, you've got stuff to work on, but number two, we believe you can do it. Right. And Clancy and Spur had that. And 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 so when. You know, we'll get to the end of what happens, but that's the difference between they're taking Jim through this process, because when he earns it, then he won't take it for granted, which is something he says later about the mountains and a wild horse. It's like when you have this experience, you, you don't take life for granted. And and so therefore Harrison does. He, he takes all this stuff for granted in the sense of, you know, he just takes it for granted that his daughter is going to do what he says. And when she doesn't, he gets upset because he's trying to control things he can't control, which is the other theme of it as part of being a man is managing the chaos and managing it as a man, not as a boy. That's the other sort of theme. Yeah, it's connected, but it's the other theme within it. Well, what you see is that he's reactive. Harrison's very reactive. And even Jim is, Mm -hmm. you know, when he sees the mayor and, and even though, so 
I'm slowing down, going back <laughs> because when Spur gave him the horse, Jim's immediate thought was go get the mayor from the mob. From right. the, he's like, don't throw effort after foolishness. That's what Spur says to Spur him. Spur says, yeah, Spur says that one to of the Jim. best lines. Yeah. And you see that F that throwing effort after foolishness because he's like, if I can get the mayor back, then that might soothe, ease the pain of my the loss of my father. That might prove that I can handle it. Weirdly, that's correct, but the timing was wrong. And the other part is that, that we see with Harrison is that if you didn't earn it, you're afraid of losing it. Mm-hmm. Like the, the insecurity rises up. And I think that we see that we, we talk about, I, I see a lot on, on leadership stuff, this idea of the imposter syndrome where right. you feel like you, you're like, they're going to expose me for not knowing everything about everything. And yeah, we think the story that, of my life basically. <laughs> <laughs> because we feel like imposters. Yep. Because we haven't gone through our initiation because we're hurrying. We're rushing to get to where we want to go. Like we, Britt and I consider ourselves to be authors. And that takes a lot of work. And if you, Hey, your first book sold a million copies. Well, then you, what's going to happen the next one that pressure is there. Whereas if you sort of toil in anonymity, toil in hiddenness, and that's what you see throughout the Bible. Mm-hmm. You see Joseph has a dream when he's a teenager that he's going to be of all his brothers and father. They're all going to bow to him. And then he gets sold to slavery and then he gets thrown into jail and then he gets <laughs> forgotten. Right. And he has to be initiated. And we don't have that in Western culture. You know, it was interesting because that idea, the idea of in the mountains, you've got to earn your way up here. What do we have here in, in America? We're recording in America. That's where we live. We're not anti-Americans or anything like that. <laughs> but you've got Frank Sinatra singing about New York City. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Well, that's a far cry from... Like, what is, again, that idea of what does that mean? What does that mean when you've got the participation trophies for the kids and Mm. you can do, you, you tell them you can be whatever you want. I think we've talked about this. We're not promoting the idea of bullying. No. But if we're eliminating conflict and confrontation and discomfort from our children's lives and we're telling them, you just have to work hard and you can be whatever you want. Well, when they suffer trauma and tragedy and frustration, they don't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you mentioned Joseph and I can't remember which Psalm it was, but there's one Psalm that goes through it and it's an, it's an obscure translation, but it talks about how God did something to his soul when he was in chains, like something like there was a strength that entered into his soul through that process. It's so this movie is so great to me because as much as we don't like it, there has to be a humility that says, you know what? I don't know everything yet because like in the movie and my son and I was my son is like this and your sons are probably like this. 
And I was like this. I thought I had it figured out at 19 years old. And I didn't. Right. And maturity is realizing all the stuff I don't have figured out. And 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 then when because when chaos comes in, we 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 react because we think we know more than we really do, and we're not acting out of wisdom. That's why that's a great line. You're just throwing effort after foolishness. Man, that's why we have to listen to the spirit, man, because God's like, why are you spending time on that? Like, right. that's, that's who is that for? Like, and you know, we were talking before, and 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 my dad said this to me when I was about that age, whatever, Jim. Craig's ages in the movie. Yeah. And I was upset about something. And my dad said, there are a lot of stupid people in this world. Going to take a quick break in the action because there was something I wanted to do when we recorded it, but I didn't have the chance to insert this. So when Britt said it, said that line that his dad told him, I, of course, my brain went to the song Banditos by the refreshment said, that, you know, that big hit. And so I felt like I'd be slacking as your podcast host if I didn't offer a little bit of a little bit of musical rock like interlude here in the middle of this uh, conversation. Is it a great song? Man, probably not. Were they a one hit wonder? I think so. But it's one of those songs is super fun to rock to. And as Peacemaker says, it's never a bad time to rock. So back to the action. He said, if you get mad when people are stupid, you're going to get mad the rest. You're going to just be mad and pissed off the rest of your life. Because there's a lot of I can't control whether other people are stupid. And and, and so, therefore, that's going to make me miserable. Now, they don't really care because since they're probably stupid. <laughs> right. Whether I, and in this scenario, Curly's the it's, stupid. It's, it's Curly. <laughs> but, but it's also the chaos that's entering that's entering Jim's life. The, the first being when the horses are running through and he, he goes to save something. And, and, and the dad's like, no, no, no. Like there's constant. Right. He's worried about the mayor when it's when, the gelding when, holding the right. tree. <laughs> like that's, that's the important thing. And it actually kills there's his a father. bigger priority. And it's the same, same thing. He breaks the horse, the thousand dollar colt and everybody's gone. And, and it's the sort of fall in love, meet cute thing that happens with he and Jessica and then when the when the Brombies, the wild horses come by again with the stallion and he sees the mare, he reacts. And instead of thinking uh, with wisdom. Right. What does it was Proverbs say, man, it, it, son, if you can get anything, get wisdom, it's worth more than silver and gold. It's worth more than anything. Yeah. And of course, there are consequences when he tries to run after, you know, he gets hurt and all this sort of stuff. And, and I'm saying all this to say, like, 
we have to be willing to have those sort of conversations with each other and, and realize, man, I, we have to get to a place where God can entrust us with the calling that he wants. He desperately wants to give us. He wants to make us kings and give us the covenants and do all the stuff that we see and get to the promised land. And he wants to do all that stuff. But there's there's got to be a process there because character is more important to God than anything. And what he's really working on is our character. And that's what you see in this movie with Spur and Clancy. They're really concerned about Jim's character. Don't throw effort after foolishness. Jesus says, don't cast your pearls before the swine. Don't give what is holy to dogs. And I remember the time in my life about 15 or 20 years ago when God started telling me I would start to respond to somebody because they were stupid. And God's like, why are you talking to them? They are not going to listen to you. <laughs> like, you, like, truth has value. Maturity has value. Wisdom has value. Who's, who's going to receive it? Now, sometimes God says, you got to stand up for what's right in certain situations. But this, all these elements in this movie, man, as you go through it, and the mountains are another sort of element of of chaos and something you can't control, but you can learn to live within it and see the opportunities. And, and, and then that's what makes you a man and willing to live in the ownership that he was always going to be his dad's son. That was never going to go away. He was always going to own that piece of property. No one took that from him, but in order to live in it, he had to learn how to live within chaos with wisdom. And that's what it means to be a man. Going back, re-anchoring our, the idea of initiation, the idea of earning it, not our salvation, but becoming, living a life worthy of our calling. That's in the Bible right. somewhere. And James talks about if you consider it joy when you, you experience troubles, there are no troubles that Jim faces in this movie that he considers joyful. Right. But there are things that he has to go through because when your faith is tested, when you are tested, because how else are we going to be tested? How else are we, how else are we going to mature our faith and become men of character without proving it? Because as my brother likes to say, he's like, I was a great parent until I had kids. <laughs> I could tell you exactly what to do, exactly how to handle it. And then you've got kids and everything goes out the window when it's three o'clock in the morning and they won't go to sleep, but your endurance grows. And when, and then it's interesting because it says when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing Mm -hmm. nothing because that's, I think going back to those guys on the mountain, they know that an inexperienced and immature man up there is a danger. That's right. He will be a, he will be a danger and a liability to the community. And the it, the interesting thing is the very next verse says, "If you need wisdom, ask our ask. generous God, and He will give it to you, and He will not rebuke you for asking." I mean, again, I I like praying the scripture because it's truth. Like, I don't need to wonder if I ask God for wisdom, God, are you going to give that one to me? I hope you answer this prayer. There's a lot of prayers out there that (laughs) are like that, right? 
but this one's like, oh man, I need wisdom. Well, it says to ask and he will give it. So that should make us pretty confident in that. So as the movie goes, as he's going through his initiation and the proving ground, he has a moment in the mountains with Jessica. Jim has a moment in the mountains with Jessica. She's run away because her father slapped her and wants her to go to this women's finishing school. Harrison doesn't see her for who she is, but wants her to become somebody that he, that looks in the correct image. Mm. You know, he, he doesn't care about her heart, her passion. He's just about control Mm -hmm. and manipulation. Because again, if you didn't earn it, it can be taken away. So his idea for what his daughter should look like is being taken away and he's fighting hard. Jim's up there looking for the lost cows uh, from the cattle drive. And so he finds her, but it's her first. She's from the lowlands. She's from the Valley. And if you, if you go hiking, if you go spend any time in the mountains, the weather changes in the blink of an Mm -hmm. eye. It's nice and sunny. And then five minutes later, it's snowing. And then a thunderstorm comes through. And so they're sitting on this, this ridge going to Spurs and they have this conversation that's reflecting because Jim has had a belief about life and what the initiation is. It's the opportunity to put those belief beliefs to action. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Wait till that gets here. Change is so suddenly, doesn't it? One minute it's like paradise, and the next it's trying to kill you. Yep, that's how it can be up here. But uh, if it was easy to get to know, there'd be no challenge. You've got to treat the mountains like a high-spirited horse. Never take them for granted. It's the same with people, too. It's about guiding and directing and sort of encouraging along the certain way, right, as he was breaking the horse, because he could do it. Because there's a difference. And, and God wants this for us, too, by the way. If we put ourselves as a horse... He, we are broken, but not broken in we're becoming a plow horse walking around with our head down, which is how many, so many people, so many men are because they haven't gone through their initiation or because they doubt the heart of the father or because they're alone. I mean, you look at the studies and this was before the pandemic about loneliness and depression being an epidemic among men. How many friends do you have? Who do you know that would vouch for you or give you a horse or just come up and be like, oh yeah, your father was, he was my mate. You know, who would, who would validate you in, I mean, in LinkedIn, you know, you've got those things where it's like, <laughs> oh, they will, they confirm your skills in word processing or something. <laughs> right. But as he's, he's handling the horse, God doesn't, it, it's not about breaking their spirit. It's about, harnessing the control and the strength and the power. And that's what had to happen to Joseph because he had these dreams. He had this coat. He thought himself a big deal and he had to learn that he wasn't in order to 
move and become the man God in order created. to be a big deal. He was the second in right. like he had to <laughs> because God's not going to trust you with a position without the character to do it because he knows it would kill you. It would destroy you. And it has destroyed ministers and politicians and pastors. Like it, it's not that they aren't called to things it's that it, it destroys us when we feel I deserve to be here instead of realizing we are servants of something greater, you know, something about a horse. And I should have looked this up, but from what I remember, horses with a rider on them can run faster than horses without one. Now, Mm -hmm. when you think about that, it doesn't make sense because you've got more weight with a person on you. Right. It seems like, oh, I got more weight. Yeah. Horse races, they handicap how good you are (laughs) by putting weight in the saddle to increase the load. Right. But, But. But you can actually get a horse to run faster with a rider on the horse because a rider knows how to work with the horse, how to encourage the horse. Like if you, you know, one of the reasons I love this movie is I love horses. I mean, one of my first jobs I ever wanted to do when I was a kid and they told me you can be anything you want to be. I wanted to be a jockey. And then I realized I was going to be six foot something and realized that was never (laughs) going to happen. Um, and uh i just think of giant oh man brit dwarfing oh, the, man. the horse and so but i you know i read every black stallion book i was i loved i oh, loved yeah. horses and so you know doing all that sort of stuff so that's one of the reasons why i love this you know movie is is you've got those elements of of riding a horse and when you ride a horse they teach you to to bounce with the horse don't don't go against it right you know you you have to know the horse there's a relationship that happens with that and and you got the bit in the bridle and and you can hurt a horse or you can lead that horse to its greater purpose more focus and that's what god wants to do his breaking of us is never to destroy us it's only to build us into what he wa- what he has created us to be and those good works that were prepared beforehand for us and one of the things i love about this this moment is because this is around the time you start to see the hints of change in jim and and the first thing that really humbles him is you know when he go he runs after the the brumbies and the stallion and the horse won't jump that second fence and he gets thrown and the horses run over him and he's injured and the women have to do all his chores because he was left behind while everybody else went, <laughs> which he didn't like. Yeah. And he was all like, right. and he was all, you know, grumbling like, cause I never do that. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, he's grumbling and complaining. And then, you know, he sees now he sees the opportunity to break the horse, but now he's like, oh, I'm not going to hide behind a lot bunch of skirts of women. And, you know, like he's, yeah. it, this is humbling to him. And then, so, th- but this is a point where he starts to learn how to do what's right, even when it doesn't benefit him. Because what happens is, is his, his, his Jessica tells him, basically you're fired. My dad right. found out that you broke the horse when you, you didn't have permission that he found out what we did and we're in trouble and you're fired. And, and so he drops her off at Spurs so he can finish the job. And he tells her, I'm sorry, but I have to finish the job. 
even though he knows he could have run off because she says something about running off together or why mm-hmm. I could just stay up here with you. And he's like, no, I'm going to take you down <laughs> or I'm going to have spur take you down. And I'm going to like, he starts to make decisions that a man would make. No, no, uh, we have to do what's right. Not what feels convenient, not because I'm mad or I'm not reacting. I'm going to act based on what's right, even though it might cost me something. And that's what prepares him to do what he does in the end, which it's the other clip that we have, which because then he's also confronted with another choice towards the end, uh, because basically Curly is one of the antagonists or the man, you know, the stupid one uh, in the in the in the movie lets the colt go and the colt has joined the wild horses now. And everybody thinks Jim did it right. And it, it was all curly you know setting him up to look like he did something bad and since jim even though he's a victim in a sense is confronted with a choice and and i think it's really important somebody let harrison's cult go what more regret he's joined the brumbies there's a mob of us going after him in the morning i thought you might want to be in it well, I said you were uh, good with a horse. What's the first thing you do when a horse bucks you off? You don't let him beat you, you get straight back on. Well? Well? No, Clancy. Oh, well, that's a shame. Harrison's blaming you for it. Why? Me? And you expect me to go back and help him? He's asking too much of a man. Man, did you say? That's what my father raised me to be. I, uh, I often think of Henry Craig. He was a good man. Well, maybe it's just as well. Yeah, they probably wouldn't let him ride with us anyway. No. In C.S. Lewis's book, A Horse and a Boy, A Horse and His Boy, Mm. Towards the end, Shasta, who's the main, the boy in the story, comes face to face with Aslan. And if you've read it, Aslan's sort of the Jesus slash God character. Um, I think t- more typically Jesus yeah. is, yeah. is the, the sure. probably the easiest comparison. Yeah. And Aslan is a lion. So throughout the story, there are in- in- interactions with lions. There's a night where Shasta spends the night in the tombs and a, and a cat comes up and, and cuddles with him for warmth and for security and comfort helps him get through the night later as they're trying to get through the lions are chasing them. And to the point where it actually clawed the clawed his back clawed Shasta's back. So as Shasta's talking to Aslan, he's asking about it. He's like, well, yeah, that was me. I was, I was the cat because I knew you needed comfort in that time when you were in the tombs. That was the lion who scratched your back was also me because you needed to move faster to beat the army so that they would know that the army was coming and you wouldn't have done it on your own. And, and it was interesting because he's like, well, why, why did I get the scratches? He's like, well, because 
and I don't remember what it was he did, but he did something that caused someone else to be punished unfairly. Mm. So he's like, these are things that somebody else got whipped because of what you did. And you had to bear that brunt. You had to mm. suffer that. But this, in this idea that what's a man and what, how does our initiation go? And what you see here is, is two different things. On the one hand, these guys are sort of the kitten guiding him. Hey, what, what do you do when you get thrown off horse? Well, get right back on him. <laughs> well, well, he knew the well, answer, right? He knew the answer to that. And, but what they're doing is, <laughs> and what we do in our initiation and God does through the community we need in our initiation is say, yeah, you know, this lesson, get back up on the horse. Same lesson, just a different arena. Yeah. yeah, Harrison fired you. He needs your help. And oh, and he thinks you did it. I vouched for you mm-hmm. as a man of great renown. Clancy was like this, the like Harrison's like, we're not leaving till Clancy gets here. That's how well thought yeah. of he was. And this man is vouching and for Jim. So they're comforting him guiding him as you mentioned the the race the the jockey knows when to whisper when to say the right words to the horse and when sometimes to give it a kick in the ribs mm-hmm. say oh a man is it ah i knew your dad he was a good man <laughs> yeah, yeah they probably it. wouldn't let him ride with us anyway he said that's who my father taught me to be and he goes right. henry craig was a man like Oh yeah. He was a good man. Like, like didn't, uh, didn't acknowledge him as a man yet. And you you know, Paul says something and I'm trying to remember where it is. He's talking about the church and there was divisions and stuff going on. It might be first Corinthians, but he says, I'm sure contentions are are among you so that those of approved character can show who they are. Hmm. In other words, Paul's like, I know that there are problems, but in problems is where you show your character. That's where you you show your character in good times too, by the way, that's a whole other issue. That idea that you don't, you don't show how good a sailor you are when there's no wind or when there's a light breeze, you show how good of a sailor you are when the storm hits, when, when there's a storm. And that's what they're doing here with Jim. They're saying, look, what is your character? In this in this yeah. situation, you've been wronged. You did what was right, and you still got fired. And now they're blaming you for something that you didn't do. Man, if there's something that pisses me off, is false accusation. Man, I do enough wrong on my own. <laughs> I, I don't need you adding to it with other people, right? I mean, like, I if have, I did I, something wrong, I'd be the first to own it, but uh, that wasn't me, right? <laughs> and yet, he's taking, he's saying, no, you have an opportunity to show your character here. And it wasn't until he started making decisions that were right despite what anyone else thought or did, he wasn't trying to prove himself. He was just going to do what was right. And when he started to do that, that's when his moment came. Not because he wanted his moment to come, but he wanted to show up because here's the thing, guys, 
the first thing you do is show up. So many men just don't freaking show up. And I'm telling you, you want to be a man, you start showing up. You don't, it's not somebody else's job to, to help the kids in the church. Uh, and I'm not saying you got to be the youth leader, but I'm saying like, yes, you got your own kids maybe, but there are other kids in that youth group that need you too. There are other kids in that church that need a hug that, that need somebody to go, man, I really love it when you do that. Well, like, I even think it starts, you got to, you have to start at home. You got to show up for your wife. You show up for your wife. You got to show up for your kids. And this doesn't Absolutely. mean go into the games or it doesn't even mean date nights. You know, we just talked about all the rom-com, the, the couple rom-coms and, but it means maybe shutting off the computer at five and not checking email the rest of the night. Right. It means maybe, Hey, I don't need to watch Netflix every night. And we need, we don't need to watch every episode of Yellowstone and real housewives or whatever it is that, that the sort of the meaningless garbage that's on TV, that you just sort of zone out. How do you engage and you be present with start at home? Because the battle starts at home. You can't, you can't fight the battles for the externals. I remember a story that I read that sort of changed how I looked at things. And it was about this, this, this young man, I think he was in his twenties or thirties and his dad was a, was a leader in the field. He was encouraging. He was well thought of, well-respected. And at the funeral, people would, from his business world, would stand up and talk about how he mentored them and how he was there and present and always available. And his son was like, man, that sounds like an awesome guy. I wish I knew that man. I wish I knew that man. And that's a heartbreaking story. It is a heartbreaking story. Because he gave his best to those outside of his family. Right. When the ones who deserve our best are the family. It's right. It is your kids because as we see our, our focus, our culture says, throw effort after foolishness. Amen. Pursue it. Go after your dreams, work harder, do more. And that was Jim chasing the mayor. He went to rescue the mayor from the, the mob. His dad died. He goes to try to rescue her with the Colt and he gets thrown from the horse and almost dies. Right. It's when his, he waited for his moment to come. He didn't force it. Nope. And that's our, that's my problem. (laughs) You know, we try to, we even try to force moments with our kids or moments with our wives. And we put all that pressure moments with God. And then it doesn't look like how we look when we're just walking in who we are. Because I love what you, you talked about. He proved he had integrity by taking the, the cows back. Now Clancy and Spur were like, you've got integrity, but do you have character to show up when they think that you've done wrong? And when you show up, as you were saying, that's when our moment happens because we've, we've, we've been available. And then that is, he didn't, mm. he didn't force his way to the moment. He just did what he could do when the moment arose. Yeah. And I think so, so often we try to force the moment instead of waiting for God to open the moment for us. Right. Well, you know, he was chasing the mayor from a place of insecurity. Yeah. He, he, 
the the first time and the second time, like he he thought he had something to prove. And then and then when he had a feeling of failure, you see, as we keep talking about, for most men, they their major fear is a fear of failure. So what we try to do is to get success to prove we're not failures. So we that's why we throw effort after foolishness. Bigger ranch, nicer horse, whatever, whatever it means. Well, okay. We don't have a lot of money. And the dad was like, maybe we'll just go down and get a job for a while so we can have some money. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's got these big dreams. He's got these big dreams and they weren't bad dreams because he actually does get his dream in the end. He actually does get the Brombies and all that stuff in the end. But, but he was chasing after an identity that he didn't need to chase instead of waiting for it. And well, oh, oh, how, how are we going to do that? Well, let's think about this and, and not react. And the same thing with this, then he feels a failure because he feels responsible for his dad's death. And then he runs after and he reacts. But at the end of the movie, man, it's, it hurts your pride to go, I'm going to go help a dude who thinks I'm trash. Because that's basically the whole movie is Harrison's like, you're just a mountain boy. You're not right. good for my, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You stink or, you know, he leaves them behind. Like he treats him like trash the whole movie. And then basically he's being asked to go help this guy. And that proves his character. And so just showing up and proving his character opened up that opportunity for him to shine. But it wasn't because he was trying to prove himself. You, you actually just doing what is right because it's right. And no one may ever know. No one may ever know that's integrity and that's character. And God does something with those people. No one knew that David was killing lions and bears and protecting. David was given a crap job. And he was forgotten by his father because when Samuel showed up, he said, you know, I need to see your sons. He doesn't even call for David. I don't know if he forgot about him or just whatever, but he was like, somebody had to wash the sheep and no way you're getting anointed. Ehu looks amazing. He looks like a king. Right. Um, and, and my point is that his pride in the movie was so had to have been hurt right in so many ways and yet he decided Mm. anyway to be to show up and do what was right and prove who he was and one of my favorite parts of this movie is because just showing up your character will reveal itself you will your character will be revealed just showing up and you'll and you know and you know you know like jesus says like when you show up just sit at the foot at the table, wait for somebody to call you up. Like you, you don't, you don't have anything to prove, but don't pout if nobody but, does, but don't pout if nobody does. And so he, he gets the moment and I love that scene, man. It's just, I, I can't even imagine being, being riding that horse down the mountain like he does. And it's so yeah. cool. And the music and the, it's amazing. It's yeah. Chills. And, and, <laughs> but because Jim on a mountain horse was able to follow them when no one else could. It was almost like he got the respect of the stallion. Like the stallion was like, Oh crap. Who is this dude? Yeah. And he was able to prove himself. And one of my favorite. So one of the, one of the reasons why I love this movie so much is 
there's not this pretty bow at the end because what happens at the end is not what would normally happen in the Hollywood movie. But I think it's really important. I promised a hundred pounds. It's yours. That's not why I rode. There are a dozen good broodmares in that mob. I'll be back for them. And for whatever else is mine. I don't like to repeat myself. She's not for you. Jessica can make up her own mind about that. You got a long way to go yet, lad. He's not a lad, brother. He's a man. He's a man. And he says the man from Snowy River. Yeah. And I, I love that he's he's Harrison gives him the money. It's not about money. I, that's not why I did this. That's a man. I didn't I did this because it was right. Didn't do it for you. And by the way, earlier in the movie, after Harrison yells at him and before the fireside scene that we played, that, that clip, Jim goes to Jessica and goes, man, it, you know, it wouldn't work. We're from two different worlds and breaks her heart kind of thing. But here he doesn't tell her what to do. He says she can make up her own mind. Yeah. That's, a, that's a man. I'm not trying to control anybody. You can't control me. I'm not going to try to control you. But this is who I am. And those and there those mares in there belong to me. I didn't do it for money. I didn't even do it for them, but I'm going to be back for those. And then when I come back, now I have something and now I have achieved manhood and now I can woo the woman. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a very man thing. And, and, but it's, it's appropriate. And now the men now, Spur calls him a man and Clancy calls him a man at the end. Like it's really important. The two wizards and mentors in his life say now. And at and the very last scene is he, he takes ownership of his father's inheritance. He takes ownership of his father's inheritance. And I think that is beautiful. And I, I love all of that because it would have been cheesy. It, it would have felt weird if he been like, all right, Jessica, just hop on and let's run away together. Like, because that's not what a man would do. A man's like, no, we're going to do this right. You know, we're, you know, like in Song of Solomon, even though there's passion, it's the man who says, let's not awaken love before it pleases. Right. You know, it's the man who does that. I'm going to, we're going to do what's right because it's right. And, and we're going to believe that there's reward in the end for doing what is right. And he has no question about who he is. Because right. Because he's yeah. been through his initiation. Right. And, we see this movie, we see Jim get broken like a horse. Mm-hmm. His spirit isn't broken, but he becomes a man who can offer his strength. Right. It talks about this, this idea of strength under uh, control. Mm-hmm. He's not rushing off. He's not throwing effort after foolishness. He's got character. He's got integrity. He knows how to treat people. And the last thing I want to talk about as we wrap up is being a man, how to earn and live with the strength that God's given to us. You know, Dallas Willard says there's two men, two questions that are key to everyone. Every man's life is the question of who are, who we, who we have become and who are we becoming? Mm. But the thing that I want us to walk away with being a man doesn't mean being perfect. 
Mm-hmm. Clancy, as you mentioned, Clancy's not perfect. He gets Spur run down by the stallion. Spur was not perfect. And Jim, we, we put this pressure on ourselves to be a man means to be perfect, to be right, to know what to do in every situation. No, it's just, how do we walk with God in this with humility, with mercy? You know, isn't that what the Psalm said, but to walk humbly mm. with God, to love mercy. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what, that's what it means to do God's will. And to walk with that. And it's not this false humility. That's I'm worthless. I have nothing to offer. Everyone's better. This, this false martyrdom, this victim mentality. Mm-hmm. It's no, I do have something to offer and here's how I'm going to offer it. I've earned my seat at this table, whether that's the low one or the high one I've earned those horses. There's no question of, Oh, what you think you, you're just going to leave them and come back. No, I'm coming back for what's mine. And I love that point that you made of, in his boy, one, he thinks he loves Jessica and that's enough. And then he listens to the lies and no, you eat, it's not going to work. We're from two different worlds. But then to say, no, you know what? My heart is for her mm-hmm. and what she wants to do. And she gets to decide what she's going to do. Yeah. But the invitation's open. So there are five things that he does at the end that make that make him a man and i'm i'm just going to list them really quickly and we talked about all i think all of them number one he showed up so before he was declared a man he showed up he worked to make things right for others even his enemy even someone who was against him harrison he finished the story he saw he saw the story to the end he didn't give up on the story He was in a story and he didn't give up on it. Number four, he didn't do it for money. And number five, he declared who he loved. Hmm. He declared who he loved. He, again, there was an invitation with it, but but he's like, look, I'm not going to just give in to what everyone else thinks. I'm just going to say, I love this person. And he, and he does earlier, but then he gets talked out of it. Right. Right. When he's like, what, what about you and Jesse? He goes, Oh, I love her. Oh, love. Oh, oh." but now he's like, no, you know what? It is enough that I just say that I love her. That's enough. And I'm like, you said, all of being like, it's so beautiful. And so many lessons that we can take from this as men. And that's why every time I watch it, it's like, Oh, I'm just inspired again to, uh, for what manhood is about. And and by the way, we need masculine. There, there is toxic masculinity, but we need masculinity in our culture. We need right. men. There are bad men out there, but there that doesn't bad. mean all men are bad. No. It means that our strength is needed to fight that so that fight people have that. an experience of real manhood, of real masculinity, uh, of, uh, of exactly the good father. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah. So this has been Paul McDonald and Britt Mooney talking about the man from Snowy River. Go check it out. It's a good one. And if you want, go try to find a horse to ride. (laughs) So we hope you enjoyed it. And we hope you join us next time here on the Men at the Movies podcast. Something inside has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was... Who am I to be?